Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. We're starting, uh, we actually, are, we started a brand new series last week. We're continuing with a series uh, that we started last week called, What Does the Bible Say About? I think in the times that we're living in, especially because of the internet, there's a lot of topics and subjects that are being talked about openly. Um, and I think a, a lot of views are mistaken. They're not right. They're incorrect, especially when it comes to theology or doctrine, things concerning God. Uh, there's a lot of people giving their opinion. Social media is great. It gives everybody a place to give their opinion. That doesn't mean everybody's opinion is right. <laughs> and so I, I lately, over the past year, two years, a few of us have been talking, and we just kind of have been feeling that there's a lot of uh, false things being said online. Maybe you've heard some of them. Um, we want to address them as a church. It's what the culture is talking about it. So let's see what the, what the Bible has to say about it. Uh, last week, we said that we are a church that believes in the Bible from front cover to back cop, uh, cover. Entirely, we believe the Bible. We believe the word of God. This is God's word. This is God's holy scriptures. We believe in this book entirely, right? And so you and I may have an opinion on a subject. You and I may have a view on a subject. At Calvary, what we do is that we submit our opinion under God's authority of scripture. I may have my view on something, but God's authority and God's scripture is the ultimate thing that I'm going to follow. Are you, are you following me? Right? Right. It's, it's God's scripture. We believe it. It's God inspired. God used holy men to use it. And it speaks to our life. How many know this book is not just a regular book. It's a living book. And as we read it, it changes us. I encourage you to pick up a Bible. If you don't have one, we have one for you outside. Absolutely free. You want to put a Bible in your hands, but this Bible is going to help you so much. And so we ultimately submit to the authority of scripture. Last week, we began speaking about hell. There's a popular um, saying or truths trying to go out there, and they're not truths at all, but they're saying that hell does not exist. And a lot of people are sharing these kind of stories and statements. And so last week, we looked at the Bible. Okay, we may not like the concept of hell, but what does the Bible say? And we learned that the Bible says that hell is a real place. We also learned that there's hell in the human heart, right? The human heart is full of sin and evil and wickedness. But hell was not made for you. Hell was made for Satan and his demons. And heaven is a place that God made for each and every single one of us. Right? Anybody thankful for heaven? Anybody thankful for what God did through Jesus on the cross? So we wouldn't have to go to hell. But hell is a real place. But culture, they're, they're spewing two lies. One of them, annihilism. And the other one, universalism. One says that once we die, we are destroyed. And only good people go to heaven. Wicked people are destroyed and there is no eternal life for them. That's a lie. That's not what scripture says. The other one is universalism, meaning everybody goes to heaven. No matter how you lived here, God is so good that every single person is going to heaven. That's a lie as well. Everybody who believes and calls on the name of Jesus is going to heaven. And everybody who trusted in the son, other than that, hell is a real place. Today, we're going to talk about sex and sexuality. Sex and sexuality. And it gets really quiet fast. 
<laughs> so um, I will say this just ahead of time. If you have uh, a minor around you that you don't want them to hear about certain things, maybe now's the time to give them some headphones, an iPad. Um, I'm not going to be explicit. It's not who I am. But we are going to address certain topics that are going on in culture. And so um, I don't know how comfortable you feel with your teenagers hearing that, but we're going for it today. And here's the thing. Our culture is talking about it. Our culture is loud about sex and sexuality. So let's see what the Bible has to say about our sex life and sexuality. Are you with me? Let's study the Bible. Open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I want to welcome all of our friends and family watching online across YouTube, Facebook. They're all over the world. Come on. Can we give them a big, big hand? Everybody that's watching online, we love you. And we're glad that you're tuned in. We're having a conversation about topics that are being talked about in culture. And we're just trying to see what the Bible teaches us on these topics that culture is talking about. So we're glad that you're joining us. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. As you're going there, smile at the person next to you. Tell them, I'm glad you're sitting next to me. Look at the person on the other side. Tell them, you look better than my first neighbor. Tell them, I'm glad to see you. Hey, Mike Gonzalez is visiting us today. Come on. We love him. And uh, Mike and Steph were here for a very, very long time. They're now the young adult pastors at Real Life Church in Clermont. And uh, where's Steph at, Mike? Steph's not here? Yeah, everything, everything okay? We'll pray for him after service. First Corinthians, I love Steph, we love you. And we love Mike and Steph. They're amazing. Glad you're here today. First Corinthians chapter 6. First Corinthians chapter 6. If you're there, can you say Amen. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to put it up on the screens uh, as well as online. We'll put it up on your screen. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Go down to verse 12. Paul is talking to a church in Corinth. That's why the letter is called to the Corinthians, the Corinthian letter. And uh, he's going to address sexual morality. Beginning in verse 12, he says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for the food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Verse 16. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Verse 18. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Come on, how good is that right there? Paul is going in, and he's, um, he's teaching them, and he's teaching us some important lessons. And so let's talk about um, what Paul is saying here. Let's develop it a little bit more for the next uh, 25 minutes, and then we'll worship Jesus one more time. Amen? Amen. 
Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. Thank you for everybody that's here physically and those joining us uh, across church online. Thank you for this community. Thank you for this family, God. Uh, we want to know what you have to say on all these topics, God. Um, our society is loud about some of these things, and we just want truth, and we want to know what the perfect designer says. We love you. Thank you for loving us. We can't do anything to earn your love. We can't make our way to you, but you made your way to us. And for that, we're grateful. God, we thank you for this morning. Heal us, help us, help us to understand you better. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, all of God's people say. Oh, come on, all of God's people say. Can you make some noise for Jesus one more time? Come on. Awesome. Have you, have you, ever, have you ever seen something and mistaken it for something else? Or... or have you ever seen someone and mistaken them for someone else? Yep. You ever gotten the wrong person? Recently, me and Dan are eating at this restaurant. It's an Italian restaurant. I love Italian food. I think Italian food is the best food on the planet. My opinion, thank you. I think I'm half Italian. My name's not Alex Sagat, it's Alex Sagatti. <laughs> and uh, I love everything Italian, right? So we were at this Italian restaurant that we love. While we're eating, this guy walks in. And I look at him and I'm like, I know him. He's from church. And so I just, I just kind of nodded and said hi. I was like, hey, right? Now he gave me this look that worried me. <laughs> he was like, concerned. <laughs> like, who is this guy, right? And uh, he ends up sitting down, literally right behind Anna, looking at me. So he ends up sitting close to us. So we're looking at each other the entire time. And it just got awkward. After about 10, 15 minutes, as I'm hearing him with his family, and I, I kept looking like, wait, did I get it wrong? I know him. I know him. He goes to church. We've talked often. You know, we meet him outside, and this is him. After about 10, 15 minutes, I hear him like, that, that's not him. <laughs> oh, my God, I got it wrong. I was so embarrassed, right? And he kept looking at me like, what do you want? I thought at one point he was going to get up like, bro, put his garlic bread down, be like, what's going on? Right? And the whole time I just kept looking and I was so embarrassed. As he's leaving, he left before us. We were there for a while. Uh, he's leaving. He kind of just like literally just had to say goodbye. Like, I guess we became friends over dinner. He was just like, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> it was so awkward. Uh, I was terrified. Because I saw something incorrectly, I acted out incorrectly. We have a marker board here, and we love drawing on the marker board during our big meetings when we're planning series, calendars, all kinds of stuff. We love using this marker board. And I remember we had this old marker board. Somebody grabbed a permanent marker, and they thought it was a tri-race marker and ruined the board. And we had to buy a new one, and it came out of their check. Anyways, um, <laughs> right, because they saw something improperly, they acted out improperly. Your view will determine your actions. Your view will determine your actions. The issue in today's society is that we all think we have the right view. And so we all act how we want. But the problem is that the wrong view can lead to the wrong use. What's your view? When it comes to sexuality, when it comes to sex and sexuality, we all have a view on it. We all may have our opinion on it. On it. This is what I think. These are my thoughts. But we all can't be right. Thank God we have a creator. And God has a view on it. And God has a say on it. Now, if we don't understand God's perspective on sex and sexuality, we will get it wrong in our life. 
if we don't properly understand what God says about sex and sexuality, it will affect our relationships. It'll affect our marriages. It'll affect your singleness. It'll affect every aspect of your life. What's happening today is that culture has thoughts on sexuality. They have their opinion on sexuality, and they're loud about it. You just get on social media for a little bit, and everybody has their thoughts on sexuality. But we have to grab our thoughts and submit them to God's instructions on sex and sexuality. I may have my thoughts, but God has instructions. I'll put it this way. I may have my feelings, but God has a formula. And God's formula is perfect when it comes to sex and sexuality because he's a perfect designer. He's an amazing creator. He designed the heavens and the stars and my body. And if he designed me, I submit to him and I trust that his plan is the ultimate plan for my life. Are you following me? We have to submit to the perfect plan. I'll put it this way. Follow the perfect design to live in the fullness of life. If you don't submit to God's guidelines, you may be missing out in some areas of your life. You won't enjoy the fullness of blessings that he wants to give us. Now, Paul, in the book of 1 Corinthians, is talking to a church that's lost their minds. <laughs> you have to read 1 Corinthians to understand that this church is crazy. Right? They've lost their minds. The, the church in Corinth, they, Corinth was a wild city. Like this was Las Vegas on steroids. Corinth was wild. Much like Miami, like this was a wild city. They were having prostitutes everywhere, orgies everywhere, out in the open. A lot of religions required sexual acts to uh, worship their false gods. And so Corinth is this church church is caught up in the middle of this in this crazy wild city a lot of christians that had started to follow jesus started also to follow some of the cultural thoughts of the day so they were in the temple one day worshiping jesus but the following day they were in another temple having sex with a prostitute in other words what they were doing is that they were abusing their freedom Paul is addressing the abuse of freedom. Jesus came to give us freedom. Anybody thankful for that? Come on. We no longer have to follow the law as far as the law is the one that holds us captive. No, now we thank God that he set us free, but that doesn't mean we do whatever we want. We still honor the law and we understand that the law doesn't have possession over us, but now we honor it because we love Jesus. And he's saying, don't abuse grace. And today, I think in our culture, we have a lot of Christians that are thankful for God's grace, but now are abusing the grace that cost Jesus his life. Because Jesus set us free, I can do whatever I want. And Paul's like, no, wait a minute. That is not true. That doesn't mean you can do whatever you want. So the book of Corinthians, he's addressing a whole lot of, they were taking each other to court. They were suing each other. Some of them, when it came to communion, were drinking too much of the wine and they were getting drunk in church. Thank God we have grape juice. <laughs> like they were wild. Like this is crazy times. So Paul's addressing all these issues. He's like, oh, hold on. I heard there's some issues in this church. Let me address it. Now he's going to get to the part of sex and sexuality. Right. Chapter 6, he begins to talk about sex and sexuality. And he begins by saying, everything is permissible. Now, most translations, most Bibles have that sentence in quotations. You can check your Bible. All things are permissible for me or all things are lawful for me. It's in quotations. Why is it in quotations? Because this was a popular slogan or saying in the city of Corinth. In those times, people were saying, you can do whatever you want. Nobody can tell you, no, you can't tell me nothing. That was their belief of humanity. Hey, you can do 
whatever you like. Cool. That was the same. And so Paul begins by using their own saying to begin to help them and give them instructions. Everything is permissible or everything is lawful for me. Paul says, wait, yes, but no. Not everything is beneficial for you. And then he says it one more time. Everything is lawful. Everything is beneficial. Yes, but don't be powered or don't be dominated by anything. So he's saying, yes, you can do whatever you want. You have freedom to do whatever you want. But make sure that what you're doing is helpful and good for your mind, body, and soul. Right? This is literally what Paul is saying. Verse 13 now, he gives them another slogan. Paul was bad. <laughs> another one of their favorite slogans. Food for the stomach and stomach for the food, he says. What, what does that mean? This was another slogan, motto, saying that they used in their time, saying, hey, the body was just meant for food, and food was just meant for the body. In other words, do whatever you want. Paul's like, wait a minute. That's not true. God's going to destroy both. And on the last day, he's going to resurrect the body. Paul is instructing them. Paul is trying to get them to elevate their understanding about the body. The first thing we learn is that God designed our bodies. God designed our bodies. In ancient culture times, in this, in this Greco-Roman world, they thought two things. They thought that sex was just a craving like food. Food for the stomach, stomach for the food. And they also thought that the human body had very little importance. What was important was the intellectual mind of human beings. They were very much into intellect. This was the, the Greek-Roman culture, right? And so he says, it's just a craving. Hey, sex is just a craving, so have sex whenever you want with whoever you like. This was a misunderstanding. Paul was saying, just because your body craves something doesn't mean you have to do what it craves. You guys know my struggle with pita chips. I crave pita chips. But if I ate every single pita chip my body craved, you would have to roll me out of here, right? I can't give in to every craving. Paul is basically telling them, don't cave in to every craving. Because not every great craving is helpful for you, is good for you. Alex, don't do whatever urges you have, whatever feelings you have, whatever emotions you have. Doesn't mean you have to follow them. Your body has emotions. Your body does have feelings and urges. But it doesn't mean you have to be a prisoner of your body. Sex is not just a craving. It was designed by God for a reason and for a purpose. That's why he says this in Romans chapter 6, verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. The body has urges, passions, feelings. Doesn't mean you have to do every single one of them. You can say no to those feelings and urges. Today's culture says, what do you feel like doing? What do you feel like doing? What are your urges? Do it. Whatever you want to do, do it. <laughs> right? But that's not what Paul says. That's not what God says. We submit to the authority of scripture and say, wait, I don't need to obey every single thing my body tells me. In the Greek-Roman world, the body also, remember I said, was of low importance. The intellectual mind was king, queen. The body, uh, it was just dirt. 
it's going to be destroyed. So you can literally go have sex with a bunch of prostitutes. You can have adultery. You can have premarital sex. It does not matter because the body does not matter. Paul is elevating their thinking the way he wants us to elevate our thinking today. Don't do whatever you want with your body. Your body was made and designed by Almighty God. It is absolutely amazing. It is beautiful. God formed you, is forming you, is shaping you. Your body is a miracle from God that we are walking, breathing, thinking, blinking today. That is a miracle from Almighty God, the creator of all the universe. I thank God, and you should thank God for the frame that he gave you. Look what the psalmist says. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. The psalmist says this. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in the secret. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth. He says, you saw, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written each and every one of them. The days were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. God made my body even when I was just a cluster of cells in my mother's womb. He had his hand upon me. He designed you. He made you. Your body is important. He formed you to use you for his kingdom, for his glory, not just so that you can give your body to anybody, anywhere. Your body is made for the kingdom of God. Honor it. Treasure it. Look in the mirror and say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Come on, when you get up every morning, preach to yourself. Come on, somebody. Anybody thankful for the body he gave you? Nowadays, culture wants to tell us, like, we got to have a certain body to look good or we got to measure a certain weight. Get up in the morning, look in the mirror and say, my God, my God, my God. You are a good God. <laughs> so Diana says every morning when she sees me. Fearfully and wonderfully made. <laughs> the Greco-Roman world said the body is dirt. Some of them thought the body was evil. So do whatever you want with your body. Let's elevate our thinking. Your body's holy. Your body is a miracle. Your body was God created. So let's honor it. Right? Let's take care of it. It's a temple of the Holy Spirit. Let's watch how we think, how we eat, how we live, who we have sex with, because we got to honor God with our bodies because he made it. He sustained it. He's watching over it. He's giving it life each and every single day. Are you following me? Philippians chapter 3 verse 20 says, but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior from the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. When Paul started talking about the resurrection to the Greeks, they started ridiculing him. Oh, what do you mean the body's going to come back to life? You're crazy. Well, one already came back to life, and the Bible says he's the first fruits. And when he comes back, all of our bodies are going to resurrect into a glorious body. What we do with our temporary body will matter very much with our eternal body. Take care of your soul. Take care of your body. Honor it is what he's saying. And then he goes talking about sexual immorality. Now, sexual immorality is the Greek word porneo. Porneo. Now, this word porneo is where we get our English word for porn or for pornography. Porneo. Now, we may think this is what it's talking about. It's talking about pornography. It's not just talking about pornography. Right? In ancient times, when they used this Greek word porneo, it literally meant any sexual acti activity outside of a marriage between a husband and a wife. Any sexual activity outside of marriage between a husband and a wife. Literally, this is what Paul is addressing when he talks about 
sexual immorality. And he says, be careful with sexual immorality. All throughout scriptures, we hear about sexual immorality. God has guidelines when it comes to our sex life or when it comes to our sexuality. God has given clear definitions of it, and he's trying to help us understand, I designed your body, and don't use your body for anything outside of the specific design that I have is for your good. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 15, verse 19. Jesus says, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. He says, out of the heart, the wicked heart that we spoke about last week, out of that comes all kind of ideas that we want to do with our sexual life and with our sexuality. And so today, culture is saying, you can do whatever you want. You don't need to be married. In fact, today, they're downplaying marriage. You don't need to get married. Move in with whoever you want. Sleep with your boyfriend, your girlfriend. You can do whatever. Sleep with whoever you want. But Paul is addressing sexual immorality. He says, God designed your your body. Don't crave into every craving. You you have to listen to your body. Um, Honor God with your body because he designed it. First thing, God designed our body. The second thing is God desires our best. God desires our best. Sex was made for marriage exclusively between a husband and a wife. Paul, when he's talking here in 2 Corinthians, he tells the church in Corinth, hey, he he refers there to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1 through 3 speaks about God's creation. And he's basically telling them, remember what the Torah says. Remember what God spoke at the beginning. It says that he made the male and female and he joined them together and made them one. Sex was designed by God. Sex was created by God. Humanity just gets everything that God made and turns it into something wicked and evil. Sex is not evil. Sex is not bad. And There's been Christians in the past that have downplayed it. Sex is awesome got really quiet (laughs) but it was made for a union between two people who give to each other exclusively their lives and not half of their lives but all of their lives some of the writers said it's an entire giving of mind body soul personal social economically giving yourself to somebody today's world says you can give half of yourself to somebody You can have a one-night stand. You meet somebody at a club, at a bar, meet somebody at a restaurant, talk to them, and the hookup culture is all over the place. It's extremely popular. I just, yeah, I hooked up with this guy last night. It was awesome. What's his name? I don't even know. It's happening in today's world. And we've cheapened something so beautiful that God designed. We've made it less than because we want to do whatever our body tells us to do find this person attractive so I'll just do whatever I want now we all struggle in this area every single one of us like nobody's here today pretending we got it all together and we're good and I've dominated this area this is a huge struggle for all of us it's been a huge struggle for humanity like how, how, how do we deal with this God what do we do so God has given us boundaries and guidelines when it comes to sex for our good and if we can't understand that We'll miss out. I have this shirt. I have this shirt that I love, right? And I've taken care of this shirt so much. And it's happened to me twice already with some shirts. I don't follow the tags guidelines. And so I just grab the shirt and after wearing it, I'll throw it in the washer. And when it comes out of the washer, I'll look at the shirt and it looks like it fits my little nephew. 
Has that happened to anybody? Like, is it just me, right? I get so frustrated. I'm like, my shirt, it shrunk. <laughs> I should have took it to the dry cleaners and I'm so upset. And then I realized I should have followed the tagline if I'm not happy with the result of my actions. Guidelines are not there to take away your joy. I want to tell us today, church, God is not a kill joy. He just wants to make sure you're always filled with joy. So he's given us guidelines to follow so that our hearts, our soul, our mind will always be healthy and full of life. If I don't follow the guidelines, I'm going to find myself in some trouble. You know how many times I'm in the Palmetto and I'm like, I just want to make a U-turn where I can't make a U-turn. You ever find those little spaces where you can make a U-turn on the Palmetto and they tell you no? I'm like, I'm gonna take it. I don't see no cops around. I'm just kidding. I never really do it. But if I don't follow the guidelines, I may not like the results I get. And so I want to talk about really quick over the next couple minutes. Two things that I want to know. In the 1960s and the 1970s, we had what was called the sexual revolution in America. Right? Some of us, we've seen clips of it online. We've seen Woodstock where all of a sudden this freedom came into America where they were saying, have sex with whoever you want. Sex is phenomenal. Have it out in the open. Have sex with whoever, have sex with a group of people. It's amazing. The sexual revolution that was supposed to bring freedom has actually brought bondage. Right? We grabbed something that was holy and sacred for marriage between a male and a female, and we've taken it out and we've saying, do whatever you want with God's gift. There was an article in Time Magazine in 1964, and look at what they said. Time 1964 said, it feared about the long-term psychological effects of sex in popular culture. No one can really calculate the effect of this exposure that it's having on individual lives and minds. It said here, there is no denying the catastrophic effects of the sexual revolution. What we thought was supposed to be good, Hey, have freedom with it. Do whatever you want with it. We didn't follow the creator's guidelines. And today we're paying the price for some of this revolution that happened in the 60s and 70s. And today culture is saying the same thing. Do whatever you want. And so today we have women that are looking for validation and they're trying to find identity. So what they do is instead of finding it in the guidelines and in the book, of life, they try to find it in the bed with another man, trying to see if this man will finally validate who I am. And maybe he'll give me my worth, and maybe he'll tell me how good I am. And I'll join together with them. When Paul uses that word join, it literally means in the Greek to be glued together with somebody. He's saying sex is not just a physical activity, there's a spiritual, emotional connection. When you have sex with someone, you're giving your entire being to that person, even though culture thinks it's just a physical thing. God made it, God designed it, it's so much more. We have men today who think that they are a man just because they've slept with a certain amount of women. So culture tells them, you're not a man until you've slept with somebody. Or you're still a virgin. Now to be a virgin in today's culture is a shock. In fact, they'll ridicule you if you're still a virgin. What do you mean, you, you haven't had sex? No, I actually want to follow God's guidelines for my life. And so today, we've, we've taken it out of context. Today, lust is in every corner, calling our name. Social media is an incredible tool, but it's also completely full of lust. So we have men and women struggling with pornography. You get, you get online, 
and what was supposed to be something sacred and beautiful, now you open up the Instagram or TikTok and you will see people half naked in a second. How is this affecting the mind, body, and soul of humanity? Same thing that happened in the 60s and 70s. I believe we're going to see it now. And for the next 10, 20 years, we're going to start to see some people not being able to uh, have emotional attachment. Some people trying to find their worth in something that's not real. Because the sex that the culture is selling is a cheapened version, wicked version of something beautiful that God created. So we have people today addicted, in bondage, struggling, can't connect with people emotionally. And culture keeps lying. Culture, culture says, you don't have to get married. Just move in with your boyfriend and girlfriend. Don't wait until marriage. Have sex now. You got to see if you're compatible. You got to see if, uh, you know, you guys can work together. That's not God's design. We don't believe that. We believe in holy marriage. And it's two people making a lifelong commitment to each other. And they wait till marriage. Doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. Doesn't mean all of us have been perfect. We fail, but, but we can't because of the urges of our body cheapen what God made. Today, one of the things absolutely destroying society is pornography. I'll read you some statistics. About 200,000 Americans are classified as porn addicts. It increases the, the odds of teenage pregnancy. It hinders sexual development. It raises the risk of depression. According to the National Coalition of the Protective Children and Families, in 2010, 47% of families in the United States reported that pornography is a problem in their home. Pornography increases marital infidelity rate by more than 300%. 40% of people identified as sex addicts losing their spouses. 58% suffer considerable financial loss and about 33% lose their jobs. By 2005, there was already 4.2 million pornographic websites. That amounts to 12% of all the world's websites. Today, there's a total of over 372 million porn pages. Search engines have reported that there are some 68 million porn requests a day. And then we wonder why we can't connect in our marriages and in our relationships because we've gotten what God designed and what God desired and cheapened it. Maybe today you're here and you're struggling. Pornography creates addictions. Pornography destroys the mind. Sex out of marriage will, will hinder your soul. It's not how God designed it. This is not what God wanted for humanity. God didn't want any of us to live as slaves to these urges in our body. God wanted us to live free. And God wanted us to get what he gave us for a beautiful union. To wait until that moment. And even if you're a single, you can be single and satisfied by yourself. You don't have to wait to get married to say that now I'm in a complete person. You don't have to have sex to complete you. You can be a single person and enjoy who God made you to be. And you don't have to rush in a hurry to get married just to have sex. Sex does not define you either. This is not just for single people, young people. This is for young, old. This is for single and married. What does God say about sex and sexuality? Matthew 
chapter 19, verses 4 through 6, Jesus says, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And he said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore what God has joined together, let no man separate. God is binary. God made them male and female. Now culture is saying that doesn't exist. You can be whatever you want. That is not what scripture says. And again, we submit our opinions to scripture. God, can you help us? God, we've gotten this wrong and it's hurt our mind, soul, and emotions so many times. And today we see the consequences of people struggling with depression, struggling because they can't emotionally connect with somebody, struggling because they've given themselves to so many different people. The sexual revolution didn't help anybody. It damaged so many people. But the second revolution came and it was the gospel revolution. When Jesus comes on the scene and when Paul is writing this, he is shocking the Greco-Roman culture and he's telling them, change your mind about this. Women are not just objects for you to go around and sleep with anybody. Those Greco-Roman men, they can have sex with anybody. The wives had to stay at home. Women were less than. Jesus comes around and he values women and he brings them up and he says, you honor them and you treasure them and you don't view women as objects. Paul is shocking the Roman world and he's saying, you stay faithful to your wife. The man was made for the wife and the wife for the husband it's a shocking revolution he brings validation to every single human being the gospel changes everything we thought we had it right we thought we could do whatever we want God says no honor your body because God made it and God desired and he gives us guidelines because he wants us healthy and whole on the inside and the outside beautiful thing about God is not only that he designed our bodies he desires our best but he also delivers new beginnings God delivers new beginnings today none of us are in here pretending we've got it all together or that we've never failed in this area I think so many of us have failed there was recent reports that said there are more Christians watching pornography possibly than people who are not Christian this is for Christians and non-Christians like this is an area where we all struggle in lust you may be married for 30 40 years and you're still struggling with lust especially with the doors and gates that we have today god i'm confused about my sexuality and my sex life what do i do i failed I slept with some people thinking they were going to validate me today we may be feeling shame because of our sin and holding our head down what do i do god makes us all brand new people where your past does not have to dictate your future. Your past does not say who you are. You have a new identity in Christ. Paul is trying to tell them. Paul is trying to tell them, elevate your thinking. Literally, that's what he's doing. He's telling the church, think differently. You're not like the, the rest of the Corinthians that are running wild thinking they're animals. We are not animals. Just because somebody says we came from a monkey does not mean you came from a monkey. You were created by Almighty God. You have a soul and a spirit. Take care of your body. You don't have to do whatever it craves. You don't have to follow every urge. No, you can have self-discipline by the power of the Holy Spirit and help of community, and we can do this together. So he's saying, elevate your thinking. If your body all of a sudden has urges, you can tell it, I don't belong to you anymore. I'm no longer a slave to that sin. I'm now a slave to Jesus Christ. And whatever he tells me to do, I will do it. That's why he says, 
hey, whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is praiseworthy, think on these things. Science is now telling us that's true. You can create new neural patterns in your mind. Saying, I had old desires, but now I'm going to create some new desires. So today he delivers brand new beginnings. Maybe some of us, our mind, body, and soul has been damaged because we've gotten some of this wrong. Our sex life, our sexuality, we, we did whatever with whoever. Some of us were paying the price for that today and we're walking around with shame. Jesus comes to take the shame off of us. The Bible says a story in the book of John chapter 8. Jesus was one day hanging out right by the temple and these Pharisees, these religious men who thought they had it all together or pretended to have it all together. They grabbed this young girl that was caught in adultery and they grab her and they throw her in front of Jesus literally on the floor and they're like, hey, she was just caught in adultery. What do you say we have to do to her? And Jesus being just a genius and God in the flesh, he, he goes down into the ground and he starts writing on the ground. The Bible doesn't say what he writes, but many believe that maybe he started writing what some of their sins were. And he's like, John, you remember little Mary down the street? And he starts writing on the ground and he says, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. One by one, they started walking away. She looks around and she can't believe they're all gone. And he says, women, where are your accusers? She goes, I don't know, they're, they're gone. And he says, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. Jesus always delivers new beginnings. Today, can none of us pick up a stone and judge anybody? We've always been a church that say, welcome home to every single person, regardless of their background, regardless of where they come from, regardless of what they've done, because we all have done stuff. Here's the beautiful thing about the gospel. Every saint has a past, but every sinner has a future. Every single one of us, we've struggled. Every single one of us, we've struggled, we've failed. Not one of us are perfect in this area. If you are, pray for all of us tonight. <laughs> We've all failed. We've all struggled. We've had thoughts. Jesus says, if you just think about it, you've already committed adultery. Whew, Jesus set the bar up pretty high. Basically, what he's saying is, you need me. You need me. Because your flesh wants to dominate, but I conquered the flesh at the cross of Calvary. And he gave us a new identity. I want us to stand up on our feet all across this place. And if you're home and you're able to do that, and you're watching with us online, so why don't you stand up there as well? And I want us to pray today. In a moment, we're going to go outside and celebrate baptisms. And if you have to leave right now, that's cool. But if you, if you can, can, can we just pray? Stay here for just a moment. And if you're comfortable, if you want to, can you close your eyes and maybe lift up your hands? And today we're saying, God, we need you. We need you, God. God, elevate our mind to view sex and sexuality how you see it. Not how we want to see it, not what we think is right, but we submit it to the authority of Scripture. God, help us to understand the guidelines you've given us because it's something beautiful and holy. Help us to understand the design of humanity, and you did that for a reason, for a purpose. And if we have the wrong view, it can lead up to the wrong use. 
Today, some of us, God, we failed, we've done wrong, thought wrong. And today we're asking for help. We repent, God. If any of us have taken this into our own hands and said, well, I got my ways and this is what I believe. Today, we want to trust you in your word. We may not understand it. We may have our opinion, God, but we realize today you're the perfect designer. Help us, God, when it comes to sex. Help us when it comes to sexuality. We want to honor you with our bodies because you formed this body. You made it. When we were in our mother's womb, you created us. From the dust of the earth, you formed every single part, our members. Who are we now to grab that and join it to somebody else because of cravings? We honor you, God, today. Help us to continue to honor you, God. Help us to continue to honor you. God, we're not perfect. We need help in this area. Some of us today, we're struggling. Some of us today may feel like we're addicted in bondage or in shame. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you come healing right now in the name of Jesus. I pray that you heal people that have wounds of the past. I pray that today you open up eyes to realize the grace that there is in you. That your word says in 2 Corinthians, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. We're new in you today. If we call on the name of Jesus, we will be made new today, today, today. We can be a whole new person, mind, body, and soul. That is the power of the name of Jesus. That is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That sin no longer holds us captive or slaves. Our identity is no longer found in who we used to be. Today, we're not identified by sex addicts, porn addicts. We're not identified by how many partners we've been with. Today, we're not identified by our feelings, urges, or emotions. Today, we're identified as sons and daughters of Jesus, new creations in Christ. That's our new identity. We thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you for your love, and we thank you for your grace. Whatever your eye closed and we never hear about all across this place. If you're in here today and you're saying, Alex, I don't know Jesus. If you're in here today and you're saying, Alex, I, I hear you, but I don't know if God wants anything to do with me. I've messed up too much. I've done too much wrong. I want to tell you, we all have. We've all failed. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter what you did last month, last week, last night. He loves you. I want to make that loud and clear today. God loves you. God loves you. And the Bible says that sin separates us from God. But God loves us so much that he sent his son, Jesus. Jesus came and he grabbed my sins, your sins. Jesus came and he took all of our shame, all of our mistakes. And the Bible says that Jesus died on the cross for each and every single one of us. With every eye closed, with every head bowed. The Bible says Jesus died for our sins, went down to a grave. He was dead for three days and after three days he resurrected. Jesus, he's alive today. And Jesus died and resurrected to give us a new life, a new beginning, a brand new start. And so today, no matter what your body might have told you, no matter what your mind is telling you, you can come alive in Jesus today. With every eye closed and every head bowed, in a moment of prayer and concentration and worship, 
whether you're here or watching online, if you're saying, Alex, I need forgiveness. If you're saying, Alex, I need Jesus. Alex, I want to put my faith and my trust in him. If today you're saying, Alex, I want that brand new beginning, it's only found in Jesus. Maybe you knew Jesus and you walked away from him. And today you're saying, I'm coming back home. I'm starting a relationship with God. I need forgiveness. I backslid and today I'm coming back to the Father. And I want him to help me walk this journey out. With every eye closed, with every head bowed, I'm going to count to three. If that's you, can you hold your hand up just for a few seconds? I'm not going to call you out, point you out, none of that. Hold it up. I just want to see who I'm praying for that you can put it right back down. One, two, three. If that's you, you're saying, today I need Jesus. Lift up your hand as high as you can. As high as you can. God bless you. 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 Amazing. 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 God bless you. Awesome. 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 If you're watching online. You can raise your hand right there. God is with you. He sees you. You're saying, God, I need you. Nobody needs to see you. God sees you. Those of you who raise your hand, I want you to repeat this prayer from the bottom of your heart. In fact, the whole church, why don't we say this as one big family? Come on, let's say it together. Jesus already did it for some of us, and he's going to do it in this room and some houses and offices right now. As we all say this prayer, we're putting our faith and our trust in him. Come on, let's repeat out loud. Say, Father, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for today. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Come on, say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Jesus, today I'm forgiven. Today I'm healed. And today I'm new. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Come on. He's a good God. Anybody thankful he gives us new beginnings? Come on. He's a good, awesome God. Hey, today, if you raise your hand and you made a decision to follow Jesus online or here, we want to give you a free Bible. It's a free gift from us to you. And if you don't have a Bible, pass by and pick it up. There's a tent outside, and they're going to high-five you, give you a free Bible. And this Bible is going to help you understand God's design and God's plan for your life and it's going to help you walk on the journey with them it's absolutely free if you're watching online we'll mail one out to you if you text us right now to that number on the screen anybody thankful for god come on he's a good god he's an awesome god and uh, i think it's i think it's pretty evident that we can look around culture and say we've gotten it wrong we think that our our opinions our thoughts our feelings are right but I think today what we need is the healing gospel of Jesus Christ in our culture. And as a church, we're going to continue to be loud about it. We need it every single day for our personal lives, and I think our world needs it. And so today, like I said, we're just submitting to what Scripture says. It's saying, God, help us. Help us with our own opinions and with our own thoughts. There's life in him. There's forgiveness in him. There's health in him. And I'm believing that for every single one of our relationships, our mind, body, and soul. Amen. Today's Baptism Sunday, so we're going we're gonna to celebrate today. Today... Uh, there's some people that registered and you heard us talking about it for the last couple of weeks and you say hey I want to get baptized what does baptism mean we do we get baptized because Jesus got baptized and he gave us an example to follow in his order but it's also symbolic of resurrection meaning our old life is dead and gone and we come up out of those waters alive in Christ it's a symbolic picture of the old me dead and gone and so like Phil and Rebecca mentioned maybe you registered we got a shirt and a towel for you if you didn't register 
and you're here today and you're saying, hey, I want to get baptized. I didn't even come ready. I didn't bring no slippers, nothing. It doesn't matter. We want to hook you up with a shirt and a towel. If you want to get baptized, we're going to sing this song out one more time. As we're singing it, I want you to head out the double door. As soon as we start singing, there's a whole team out there that wants to high-five you. They're going to give you a shirt, a towel. They're going to show you where the restrooms are for you to change. And they're going to meet you in the pools. And we're going to celebrate the new life. Come on, the old you dead and gone. And the new creation alive in Jesus. Come on, let's lift up our hands. We're going to sing this out. If you want to get baptized, you head out those double doors now. Father, we thank you. We love you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you for all that you've given us. Thank you for new beginnings. Thank you for freedom. Thank you, Jesus, that you come to make us whole. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.